Hello, it's Friday the 11th of August. I'm Rob Hutton and I've gone all silly season. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review where we fillet the papers for tasty morsels before delivering them to you with a light glaze of sarcasm. We're out mid-morning every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, so subscribe on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Rishi Record Breaker Record NHS waiting lists Record small boat crossings It's a bleak morning for the Prime Minister Money mayhem Mortgage rates start to fall, but the banks won't lend anyone any money And flee, what a scorcher Spain too hot for fun, claim the tabloids Welcome to Paper Cuts We read the papers, so you don't have to Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts. I'm Rob Hutton, and here to explain the news to me, it's author, screenwriter, and woman of history, Alex von Tunzelman. Good morning, Rob. Also joining us is writer, comedian, and woman of jokes, Suchandrika Chakrabarti. Hello, thanks for having me. So, what have we got on the front pages today? Alex. So the Times has two stories, um, both of which are pretty bad news for the government. We've got the rush of migrant crossings takes channel total past 100,000 at the top with a big picture. And then even larger font strikes push NHS to the brink at the bottom. Um, The Guardian, we are leading on PM will go down in history for failing on climate. That's Greenpeace being quoted with um, a large, I mean, really apocalyptic picture. Dozens dead as wildfires engulf Hawaiian town. Um, And on the Metro, we have High Street hammered 400 stores and 12,500 jobs in jeopardy as Wilco goes into administration. Sujandrika. So over in the Daily Express, we have um, fears of surging small boats as the total of migrants pass 100,000. We have to boldly go. Virgin Galactic flies first tourist to the edge of space. And Wilco goes bust with 12,000 jobs at risk. And uh, what does he express? What have you got in the sun? The sun has got in his hands. Spurs accept £104 million bid for Kane, Harry Kane, but Ace yet to sign deal. Is that a particular hands or is it just a German thing? The German Germans are called hands? Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, best not to ask. Take it take us to the star. Okay, the Daily Star. We have got Costa del Dal. Um tourists are lured by mayonnaise on chips and hangover inducing beer to the country of Belgium. Rishi Sunak became a record breaker on Thursday. Not in the Guinness World Records sense. But foreseeing channel crossings hit 100,000 and NHS waiting lists reach a record high. Alex, let's do the NHS story first. What's going on here? Well, effectively, uh, more strikes by junior doctors. And um, we're seeing this kind of, you know, now the waiting lists have hit a record high of 7.6 million with almost 1 million appointments being cancelled for people as well. So and this is up from a backlog of 7.2 million in January, which, of course, was when Rishi Sunak issued his five pledges, including that waiting lists would fall um, and also including, which we'll be talking about in a second, that small boat crossings would also be stopped. The Mail and The Telegraph are both um, are basically sort of putting this at the door of the junior doctors. 
Yes, um, I think there's obviously an attempt by the kind of Sunak supporting papers to say that this is all, you know, the junior doctors are doing this through their strikes. They're bringing the NHS to, the, to its knees. Um, particularly, I think the Mail has Steve Barkley writing for them. So they've obviously gone for that kind of spin on it. The Times has, I would say, a little bit more of a balanced take on that. But effectively, uh, this is a sort of an attempt really to kind of say, I mean, even the headline strikes push NHS to the brink. Well, of course, you could frame it as uh, the government failure to deal with a labour crisis has pushed the NHS to the brink. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the strikes definitely aren't helping. But there's an interesting graph in The Times. I mean, it's actually, it, it's it's more, it's an occasion where it's, it's better to read it on the app than it is in the paper. But it's sort of what I think of as the public sector austerity graph of doom. Absolutely. So, I mean, this is a graph that, you know, goes from 2011 to 2023. So pretty much the period of austerity and conservative-led governments uh, and then full conservative governments through that. Um, and what you see is basically, I suppose here, sort of the story of what happens with austerity and with these kind of cutbacks, which is actually that for the first, you know, three years-ish, it kind of wobbles along more or less as it was. And then there's a sort of gradual and then a steeper decline. Which is a version of the when, some, when you know, in your company it gets taken over and somebody comes in and says, we're cutting a third of the staff, but you're all going to have the same output and you can, you can sustain this for two or three years. And then people, I mean... So, Chandrika, you've worked in newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> it's your fault. No, we, I'm, saying, I'm saying you may have experienced a version you of this. You invented it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where, yeah, okay, well, okay, we can all sort of keep it going. Yeah. We can all keep it going for a couple of years and then people start leaving or start getting ill and, you know, and you have a slow decline and then you start to have a fast decline and that, and that's what that's what the the sort of what's happened with hitting the waiting list target it's just getting worse and actually i mean the most striking thing about that for an nhs graph is you can't even tell where covid is in that no i mean it's you know it's one of these things which obviously we've had various shocks brexit covid all this stuff but actually it's not big spikes around that. It's more of a steady decline. As you say, this is actually, they've printed the graph um, in the newspaper and it's also on the website, but actually it's a bit clearer to look at on the website. So what you've got is effectively the target. This is for patients who were seen within two months of an urgent referral for suspected cancer. The target is 85%. And at the beginning of 2011, beginning of uh, the coalition government there, you can see that they are pretty hmm. much hitting that target. Yeah. Most of the time. It's all about, the red line bounces around around that line, but it's it's pretty close. Um, we're now down to 59%, which is really quite really? shocking. If you've got cancer, this is not, I mean, there's absolutely nothing funny about this. No, nothing no. whatsoever. It's really horrifying. Uh, but you're absolutely right that it's not obvious from that graph that there are big shocks in, say, 2020, lockdowns, COVID, all of that kind of stuff. It's much more of a steady tailing off decline, as I say, getting much steeper in the last kind of five years. Tell us about Steve Barkley, Sir Oh, he's not mincing his words. Um, he thinks that doctors should end their strikes and stop harming patients. The word harm carries a lot of weight. First, do no harm. Yeah, when it comes yeah. to doctors, that's not great. And inside the paper, as we mark the 75th anniversary of the NHS, is he? How is he marking the 75th anniversary of the NHS, Steve? Is there bunting? Are there balloons? I don't think he's doing anything wonderful. And he's saying that doctors basically are getting a substantial pay increase. So things are good. Well done. So, OK, 
I think lots of people might might say, look, doctors have been offered 8%. They're asking for 35%. 35% is a hell of a lot. And your doctors, you're not badly paid. That is that's that's that 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 is essentially the 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 government's argument. Yeah, I mean the thing is, doctors are kind of worse paid than we think. Is what uh, the BMA and various other organisations would say back to that. So I mean, this is you know, if we're talking about junior doctors, particularly starting salary is about twenty nine grand. But of course, let's remember that they also are in huge debt. The average junior doctor medical debt is now seventy one thousand pounds. Quite a lot of them ninety thousand pounds. So pretty deep holes to fill before they can be really, you know, kind of thinking about they're being spare well, money. Before they, they're, they're the doctor driving a Porsche I think these guys the, are a the... long way off a right. Porsche. I mean, and I think also when you think of the doctor driving a Porsche, well, that's your Harley Street private doctors doing facelifts on, you know, wealthy ladies. Um, I don't think NHS doctors are earning that kind of money. So, you know, the average overall um, has fallen very substantially. I mean, what they've really had and the reason they're asking for these increases is that they've had a very, very substantial real terms pay cut. That's where they're coming from. So the average that they've been paying has fallen you know, according to the Nuffield Trust, has fallen £4,900 behind inflation between uh, the beginning of this conservative period, 2010-2011 and 21-2022. And it's likely to rise to £9,500 behind this year, depending on inflation. So, I mean, that is a 10 grand pay cut is actually pretty big. So, you know, if we're talking about big increases, well, it's more bringing it up to what it would have been in line with previously. Let's look at some other fun sets of numbers. Um, So, Chandrika... The Express. Oh. So The Express has got a story on page one and pages four and five and six and seven. What is the what is the story that is filling The Express today? It is the small boats. They're going very big on the small boats, it turns out. Yeah, they, they're taking it quite seriously. For a tabloid, right? We were quite surprised well, by this. Well, the, uh, the I mean, the Express is the Express is the paper of being angry about small boats. I think if it if it stands it's for anything, yeah, that's what they're doing today. If you don't need special shoes for the boat deck shoes, then they don't like them. And that is because, well, we are up to um, the number of migrants since recording started in 2018, so five years ago, a hundred thousand. So we passed that figure. Doesn't feel like a gigantic number. Is is a hundred thousand? I mean, is a hundred thousand people? I, I actually, I have to say, when I first saw that the number of migrants gone past a hundred thousand, I thought, gosh, that's a lot for twenty twenty three. And then you realised it's not twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah it, okay, so that's sort of ever. How mm. it's a it's a large number. It's not a small. Well, but, is, but how it, large a number is it? Well, I mean, you know, that's kind of hard to assess because I think to know that you'd want to know much more contextual information, like you know, how many migrants does everywhere else have? What's the norm? What's happened? What does seem to be happening is that, of course, the small boat crossings are increasing. So a lot of those, hundred thousand, are in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, so that is unquestionably increasing. And then, of course, you've got at least two perspectives on that, because I think nobody really likes the fact this is happening. It's the question of whether you don't like it because you think there really should be legitimate routes to claim asylum and enter the country and people shouldn't be having to risk their lives on these small boats in the channel, or whether you just think... I'm not sure that the Express's line is that we ought to have have reception centres in Calais to 
bring people over safely. I don't think that's what it's going for. But no. you can see that the papers do have slightly different takes and perspectives on it. Yeah, I mean, so the Guardian, the, I mean, the Guardian, first of all, hasn't done this story very big. No. Uh, but in their the, headline is quite strikingly different. Go the on. Guardian has this on page 11 um, and a different headline and a very different picture. So their headline is small boats, RNL lifeboats save 17 people found floating in the channel. So they've gone very much for the salvation. We've got a picture of a lifeboat crowded with unfortunate people who've been rescued on it. Um, and, you know, that's obviously a very different take, whereas we have a very different photo on the front of the Times, inside the Telegraph and not on Strandica, the Express. tell us about... There, 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 is, there is one picture that in some version is in, is in most of the papers. Describe that picture for us. It is... Like they're on a weird banana boat. It's like very sort of uh, magnified. Um, it's all men, kind of youngish men. Some thumbs up. Um, we said sort of earlier, it's a granny worrying picture. It's like they're coming for us. They look well and happy. Why are they coming here? Um, but I feel like it's only half the story, clearly, because the other half is sort of told with the lifeboats in The Guardian. They've just gone in the mail for a zoomed in picture of these guys. The sun, though as we said earlier, isn't leading on any of this. What the hell's going on? Um, so sport, well, because it's weird. Because there's, there's a Harry Kane story. Is it, is it simply that the, the back page of The Sun, <laughs> the back page of The Sun is a great big advert for Sky Sports. Yeah. And so The Sun wants to get the Harry Kane, wants to have the Harry Kane story somewhere visible. So there is, as it were, no back page. Um, yeah. So the, the sports desk have colonised the front page. They know their audience as well. They're like, they're going to love a bit of sport. But yeah, maybe the sports desk sports, um, said, well, look, guys, you owe us one. Yeah. We need to go on the front page. Could be that. And it also could be that the papers who are, you know, effectively supporting Sunak don't especially want to go big on these stories of what are looking like pledges that are going to be very, very hard to fulfil yeah. on the NHS and on migrants. Now, one common thread in the papers at the moment is simple. Money, money, money. Alex, what's going on with mortgages? Well, we're back on the mortgage question. Uh, there is news this morning in the iPaper and elsewhere that um, there's some lenders are now cutting mortgage rates. Woo 13 lenders. Well, uh, hold your fire, Rob. We're not quite woohooing yet. Oh, right. So <laughs> it, it's being positive. Some of the papers, I mean, the I has said it's a rates war. That's a bit of an exaggeration when you look at the sort of numbers that we're really talking about. Um, there, there are some lenders now cutting uh, cutting prices for five-year deals, because those are very long deals to tie yourself into um, in our climate. And definitely there is no return to very low rates. These rates are still a lot higher than they would have been even in, say, January. Don't. Um, very recently, and it's probably getting harder and harder actually to secure such rates. Right. So we were trying to explain this to our producer earlier, and let's let's have a crack at it now. Normally, when prices on things come down, that's because there's more of them available. Mm -hmm. But that's not what's happening not here. Not the case with mortgages. No. Um, basically, it's to do with risk. So a mortgage lender, you know is happy to lend you money generally at a decent rate if they think you're pretty solid to pay it back because that minimises their risk. So, you know, if you are in solid jobs, your mortgage isn't too huge, that kind of thing, then maybe you'll be able to access these rates. Because so, they're, com they're competing for you. Yes. That, that you're, the, you're the customer they want. Exactly. The, uh, so that's the element of competition is yeah. that actually the right customer is important. If you're selling goods, you don't care who buys yeah. it, just, just sell more of them, that's fine. Any customer with the money is a good customer. That is not the case with loans and debt and mortgages. Yeah. That's a very different case. So 
There is going to be, and I mean, the piece, of course, the Times has managed to find a very Times spin on this, which is, won't somebody think of the landlords? Um, I'm sure our listeners will be extremely sympathetic. Landlords feel the squeeze as interest rate rises hit finances. But buy-to-let landlords are, of course, a very high-risk group. Mm. They absolutely are. So they will feel a squeeze on that. Um, And while some of us may not be shedding too many tears, that will very likely manifest as rent rises. Yes, I was going to say, there's a knock-on bad effect there. There certainly is, because there's no controls whatsoever on rent in this country. So really what will happen is that they will just put rents up even more, which are already absolutely unaffordable for many people. So Chandrika, can you give us some bad news about car insurance? <laughs> that is also going up, sadly. Um, so no, it's... hang on. That's, um, <laughs> it's really hard to know, isn't it? Yeah, you think something will go up and something else will go down, but it's just all going. It's, yeah, ah. no, it's all bad. It's all the news <laughs> is bad. bad. If you haven't understood it, it's bad. Right, go on. And it's hitting people at like the opposite ends of the age scale, kind of millennials, but also older people, which is not usually how it works. Because again, it's a risk thing, isn't it? It's what age you are often determines that you're a safer driver, apparently, like broad brush strokes, and also accidents, claims, and so on. But it just mm. seems to be kind of fairly across the board, but particularly millennials yeah. and older, which is cool because we've got loads of spare money. I don't have a car. I've not driven in years, but this seems bad. Yeah, and it's a driven. It's in fact, it's it. It doesn't. They, I mean, the, the insurers are saying this isn't them price gouging. It's because repairs cost more. It, so it costs it costs more to insure crashes because. Uh, uh, Labour costs are up, supplies are up, everything's... In, in, this is how inflation works. Teaspoons are up, you're, apparently, you're in, in Italy. I'm sorry? You want fifty <laughs> to get a second teaspoon in a restaurant in Italy. I mean, that is a bit mad. That mm. is... So if it's costing that much, I can only imagine how much spare parts cost. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what an exhaust will set you back. And the sad news about Wilco. So yeah, so the Metro is writing this up as a as a sort of as a as a bit of Woolworths Woolworths closure nostalgia for yeah. people who are and CNA. Oh, oh I loved CNA. Yeah. yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. But I loved it. So speaking yeah. of somebody who had their first job in the Woolworths, and not just the Woolworths, the Rumford Woolworths. So you can imagine the the best one. I was in the it was a two floor Woolworths, and I was in the back with the magazines and the homeware and the like. Trowels and things. So, uh, it's, it's magazines and homeware and trowels. Was that one section? Yeah. Right. I mean, okay. that was what was. Do you not remember what was it? Was full of. That? <laughs> it was the lifestyle section. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's where you went if you wanted some pick and mix and a trowel. <laughs> <laughs> I use a trowel for the pick and mix. This is where so, I went when I wanted to buy records and comics. To be honest, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Anything. Any. You could, it was brilliant. You could get anything. But yes, speaking of Woolworths, break my heart when that went. And I would say a lot of Britain, very saddened. It's your go-to. It feels like a family shop, but it's a, it was a massive chain. Wilco, did it live in our hearts in the same way? It's, it's still there. Does it live in our hearts in the same way? What do we want? Headlines. What do we want from them? Puns. And I honestly think that nowhere in the world will you find better headline jokes than in Britain's newspapers. But even they sometimes let the ball go by. And that's when we ask you to step in and fix the headline. In today's Daily Star, usually so strong, they've got a great story about the spate of animal horror attacks on humans. Hippos, swans, orcas, they're all at it. And the Star's headline is Psycho Critters, which is fine, it's fine. Mid. It's mid, but I just feel, guys, you could do better. So, 
Tweet or threads us a better one with the hashtag Fixer Headline. We'll announce a lucky winner on Monday who will receive a silky smooth paper cuts t-shirt. While you're thinking about all that, let's hear today's heads from the professionals. Sichandrika, where's the star got it right? Well. Well. The story is that Olivia Newton-John, RIP, has been spotted as a ghost or um, uh, an orb by her family. So they have had a supernatural encounter with her. Um, her husband, John Easterling, and daughter, Chloe Latanzi, say they felt her presence several times and believe she's returned in the form of a floating orb. Hopefully not the one that Trump was touching. Yeah, different, or, different in orb. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. That was not great. And the headline is... Hopelessly devoted to... <laughs> I mean, great work, guys. Take it all back. Alex. I'm also looking at the star. I've got uh, the story um, that people might have seen if they're on TikTok. It's been kind of a viral video uh, of a grandma who I should say is fine. Don't worry, we've also got a picture of her looking quite happy. Uh, Rhoda Cravens, 93, was taken to Wilston Ranch in Indiana, US, to feed the animals. Uh, and there's pictures of her in her car with various emus, deer, various creatures poking their heads through the window. She looks unbelievably freaked out and distressed um, as she sort of panics and tries to feed all these very aggressive animals, various things. It's a sort of slightly a uh, sort of... This is why you have to keep the windows up. It reminds you a little bit of Rod Hull and Emu, you know, sort of the, the attacking bird. More childhood trauma. Um, yep. And and the headline, but as I say, she was fine, it's okay. Right. Uh, and apparently the view count is up to 8 million. I've watched this video and the headline is One Peck of a Ride. Do not take what? her out to sea. She will not those animals. <laughs> those orcas. Oh, the otters are under it. Do you want to do the metro as well? I've also got in the metro, uh, we've got a walker who basically is in this very, it's in Woolacombe, believe it or not, which is going to be relevant yep. in Devon. Uh, and he saw in this very, very dramatic, beautiful cliff, there was a sheep stuck on a rock surrounded by rising tide and brave walker, Chris Oxlade-Arnott, uh, Secondary pun, got a bad feeling uh, when he spotted this, uh, went down to rescue the sheep. And the headline is, you are my hero. E-W-E, excellent e -W -E. work. Although, honestly, don't, don't risk your life no, to save a sheep. Just That's a sheep the, the sheep will be fine. Right, the Daily Star, our touchstone newspaper on this podcast. Oh, yes. The Daily Star today brings us a dire, dire warning. You may have seen pictures of wildfires in uh, southern Europe, in Portugal and in Hawaii, but the stars got worse news than that because it says that we may all have to start going on holiday to Belgium. Alex, what's going on? Well, the star's gone big on this. Not only is it the front page, Costa del Dull. With a picture of Poirot with a knotted hanky on top of his bowler hat. I mean, it's a look... You know, it's quite fun. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'd avoid that man by several miles if I saw him on holiday. But yeah, I mean, definitely, you're definitely going to get offed. Um, but yes, so inside we've got holidays in Belgium. Um, we've got, and I mean, this is this is a story, should we say, held up by the very very thinnest of threads, microfiber. <laughs> it's, it's really very single thin. atom thick graphene thread nothing, holds this story up. To be clear, nothing is actually happening. However. 
bless the staff for having managed to make a story out of it. So what? So basically, holiday bosses say that we're going to be swapping the med uh, because of the heat for cooler climates. Uh, countries with cooler climates like boring Belgium, I mean, or various other countries that you might mention, but they've decided to go big on Belgium. Um, and they've li- they've made a lovely list, which I think yeah. we've enjoyed very much. The 20 highlights of Belgium. Top 20 things to do in Belgium. Number one, drinking beer. Two, eating chocolate. Three, pretending you're a cute poirot. Wow. Four, eating mussels with chips. Five, trying not to get bored. Six, uh, that's it. And then we have numbers seven to 20 left blank on the page. I think Harsh. That's, a, that's an error. Where's the subs? Um, we can think of more things. <laughs> churches. I love churches. The city of Bruges. Very the film beautiful. in Bruges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, so that, that's, that's three things and they're all Bruges. Yep. Um, yep. I imagine Gent there's a nice tour. Too. Gent is also Gent, very nice. Yeah. Lovely. I like saying Ghent. It's really fun to say. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there's a film tour for in Bruges. Yeah. Might okay. Be a bit, yeah. bit rough riding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit it's about, about, yeah. Is that fun? <laughs> um, it's with a Colin Farrell lookalike? Yeah, maybe. Mm. Okay. Good news, your favourite history nerds are back. Yes, we at We Are History have been trawling the history shelves of our local bookshops. Well, I have, John. You mostly went round finding your books and moving them to the front of the displays. If I can find them, it's a bonus. We are ready to tell you all about what we've learned, from the revolting French to some revolting women. Via some Brits abroad and a foul-mouthed Irishman. So, download We Are History. Our laughable attempt at a silly history podcast. With me, John O'Farrell and me, Angela Barnes. Wherever you get your podcasts. So now, finally, we turn to the lighter bits of the paper. But before we go to actual features, I want to talk about the talkiest story of the week, which is the ongoing saga of Britain's wonkiest and now most burned down pub. Alex, our lawyers are listening. Talk us through what's going on. Well, she says, carefully and advisedly, uh, I'm going to just basically pretty much tell you what's on the front page of The Telegraph to keep it very much in an article that's already been through some lawyers. Uh, So the new owners of the Crooked House pub that people will have seen, this wonky pub, um, hired a digger days before it burnt down and it was used to demolish the building, they say. So that's sort of looking like a thing. So that was sort of a week before the fire, which is being treated by the police as arson. Now, of course, we mustn't put all these pieces together here. Um, But Matt, the Telegraph cartoonist, has given us a take. He's got uh, a heap of bricks with a sign saying Crooked House and two people saying the lengths some people will go to just to avoid buying a round. We're not saying that. We're not saying that. No, no. So so, uh, there is quite a lot of what you might call innuendo floating about in the papers about the the new owners um, who uh, helpfully have put photographs of their lavish first class lifestyle on social media just don't do that if you're ever if you ever think that you might be in the papers don't put photographs of yourself in a first class seat on social media because they don't belong to you anymore but there's another possible suspect here this is Britain's wonkiest pub who's looking at the owners of Britain's second wonkiest pub i mean i think we, we now, Britain's wonkiest pub. We can't allege anything. I'm just going to refer to a Spectator article that's listing Britain's oddest pubs. And I think I found another wonky pub. In, it's in London, so we could go. It's the Nags Head. The Belgravia Institution is on two levels, and a quirk of its muse architecture means the back half of the building is lower than the front. Now, to me, that's wonky. It's 
Right. Okay. Now, probably Wonky. Britain's wonkiest pub. Now, Not saying yeah. anything about them. Just well done. Yeah. Yep. Well done, guys. <laughs> Carry on. Don't change anything, no matter what the surveyors say. Let's talk lifestyle. Let's talk first dates. Oh. There's a fun Telegraph supplement. This is coming off the news that um, this is Elon Musk's first date with Grimes. Yes, uh, which sounds like the sort of thing they would do and everybody else would be like, OK. Which is that his first date with Singer Grimes was at his Tesla factory. She said, we just walked the floor all night and I watched him try to fix things. That's, I mean, that is, that is, for someone like Elon, the ideal first date is a woman gazing at you. I mean, you know, Ken with his four hours playing guitar in the Barbie movie had nothing <laughs> on the Tesla <laughs> We're on a first date with Elon Musk now because he's just trying to fix Twitter in front of us every day <laughs> and failing. I mean, is it doing anything for you? He's making it so much worse. It's really, <laughs> Elon, it's no second date. Take a no. It's just not. What, what other good first dates have they got in there? So we've got various stories in here, some clearly more traumatic than others, um, but uh, they include um, one journalist whose first date involved uh, meeting a guy who said, you know, uh, that she had some big news. He said, let's celebrate. Let's go and get sunbeds. So they went and sunbathed. Um, she's actually married him and they're still together 32 years later. So that works, guys. Sunbeds it is. Okay. Um, we've also got a, a, a sort of slightly less successful one, seemingly, where um, somebody uh, during first date whipped out an EpiPen from her handbag turned to me and said, just to let you know, I'm allergic to nuts. So if I eat one by mistake and go into anaphylactic shock, you just have to take this and jam it into my leg, OK? So that's a dramatic thing to do during a dinner. A little bit Pulp Fiction. And then we've got one Telegraph journalist who's, who's given us a very short story, which I feel needs more explanation. Go on. Which is, he says, for reasons I won't go into, I turned up late, drunker than I've ever been, and in drag, high heels, floral dress, and wept through the entire play. With his, with this uh, person, he's a girl he was dating. Did not become his wife. I no, bafflingly uh, we're still friends. He says, but I, I think for reasons I won't go into is a problem here. I'm like, but I feel like those reasons are quite germane. Yeah, those are good why reasons. His first date was such a disaster because yeah, you know that is that is a lot. There's a lot to be said for jumping into the middle of a story, like in media rares, you know, Shakespeare does it. Yeah. Sometimes you need to back it up a little bit. Just a little context. bit. Context. Straight okay. What do you look for in a first date? Being in charge of a multinational um, social media platform right. is a good one, but not ruining it, which yeah. does narrow the pool Ooh, down to nobody. Zero. Um, being kind to animals, particularly when on the sea, because that yeah. can change a lot of stuff. Um, Pace tax. Right, okay. Yeah. So what you're looking for is an ethical billionaire, basically. Not finding one. Not right. finding one. Well, if there's, if there's any listening... I mean, they do podcasts, I'm sure. But. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks so much to Sachandrika Chakrabarti. Thanks for having me. And thanks to Alex von Tunzelman. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow Paper Cuts on your favourite podcast app. If you love us, leave us a five-star review. And do tell your friends. If you don't love us, tell your enemies. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Papercuts Show. Links are in the show notes. Send us in your better version of the star's okay-ish job. I've been Rob Hutton. You've been listening to Papercuts on a day when it was revealed that a pub in Northampton is letting drinkers reserve seats in the beer garden with beach towels. Just don't try to get served in your swimming trunks. See you next time. <laughs>